So today I'm going to be concluding a three-part series titled Fully Convinced. It's really been a ton of fun for me to preach. I've really enjoyed it because I own the message. And a big part of this message is facing adversity, hardship, difficulty, struggles, death, and being fully convinced that God's with you no matter what you faced. And when you're fully convinced, nothing can move you or shake you. It doesn't mean things don't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't cry. It doesn't mean we don't feel sorrow and pain. But it's what we do with that sorrow and pain. And every single one of us have have faced some sort of adversity and hardship in our life, or we're seeing it all around us. I don't know if you can't tell, but the world has gone straight plum crazy, right? Straight plum crazy. And if you're not careful, the things of this world are going to affect you and you'll become just like them, or you will fight the way that the world is fighting and God has a better way. And when you're fully convinced you know what that way is, then you're immovable and unshakable in the midst of it. And my heart is to get you immovable and unshakable no matter what you face. So I don't know what y'all's situation is, but I know that we all face them. Jesus made it clear that in this world you will have trouble, but to take heart because he overcame the world. And then he says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And there's a lot of battles we fight. We fight lies in this world. We fight lies of a real devil. We fight lies of our own flesh and ourself. And we fight the lies of other people. And so we're in this constant fight and in this constant battle. And sometimes you can feel like you're being crushed. You're being beat down to where you can't take it anymore. And then you fight back in your own strength or you take matters into your own hands. That's what Abraham did. Is he had a promise from God and every one of you has a promise from God but it's in God's time and God's way, not yours. And so God wants you to stay the course, not give up and be fully convinced that he's gonna do what he said he would do. And if you don't know what he said he would do, spend time in your Bible or get around people that hear from God's voice that can tell you and advise you and counsel you on what it is that we believe that God wants to do in your life, all right? So fully convinced, I want you fully convinced. Now, today I want to pick up from a scripture that I, that I briefly discussed last week, and it was from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts of Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? Now, in this story, Paul goes into Ephesus on a missionary journey, turns the city upside down. There's a riot. You had the, the, one of the seven wonders of the world was there, the temple of Diana or the temple of Artemis. You had goldsmiths, silversmiths, tourist industry, people coming from all over the world. And they're all putting their trust in the goddess Diana. And then here comes the apostle Paul on a missionary journey. And in turn, he starts preaching the gospel, casting out demons, unusual miracles. Like it's wild what God's doing through him. So much so that people start following them and they stopped going to the silversmiths and the goldsmiths. Now, they, he didn't walk into town cursing them. He didn't walk into town telling everybody how demonic they were. He didn't go have a prayer meeting and a march around the silversmiths, you know, factory and storefront. Instead, he just came and did what God called him to do because people are saved by the contrast. It's the difference between light and dark. Just be the light. You don't have to do anything else, but be who God's called you to be, and he will do the rest. And so in turn, there's a riot. They stone him. They drag him outside of the city. They beat him. They leave him for dead. And he makes a statement. He's like, if I fought the way that other men fight, what gain is it for me? There's no gain. If the dead don't rise, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And the premise of that is, is that there's no understanding or purpose for tomorrow. And there's especially no understanding of an eternal mindset. And if we're going to really understand what it means to be fully convinced, we have to be fully convinced that there's more to this life than what you see. Life is not about eating and drinking and tomorrow we die and there's going to be a party in hell and all my good friends are going to be there and it doesn't matter. It doesn't work like that. See, I always had a simple childlike understanding of eternity when I gave my life to the Lord. Nobody actually really had to convince me. I just believed that there was a heaven and there was a hell. I believed that. And I'd seen hell on earth. I lived hell on earth. I've seen more darkness and death and destruction and prison and overdoses and people spinning out and children dying that I knew 
that heaven and hell were real. And I didn't just see it on earth. I knew that in my spirit, because God said it, there was more in the afterlife. But in case any of you don't believe it, today I'm going to talk about being fully convinced for eternity and why that is so important. All right? And so you can't live your life with this mindset of let's just eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let me tell you why. Because you're never going to be satisfied. You're going to always want more. There's a reason why I went to 45 Grateful Dead concerts. There's a reason why I tripped massive amounts of acid and ate mushrooms and kept getting high all the time. Because I was never satisfied. I, it felt good for the moment, but I always had to have more. And even today, when I'm not doing those things, I love my kids. Like, I love squeezing my nine-year-old daughter. I love her to no end. I love spinning her around. I spun her around the other day, and her hair was, her, she's got wild hair. And she was giggling and smiling and laughing, and I love that. And that imprinted this beautiful memory on my mind. But when it was over, I still wanted more. Like, I love my kids to no end, but I feel like I can never get enough. I love really good food. I can think of my best, most favorite food for you. But when that meal's done, I may be stuffed for the moment, but I'm still hungry the next day. In everything that I have and I possess, I realize it can never satisfy. My ATV, my boat, my fast car, any of my stuff, it's all gonna burn in the end. It all, it all wastes away over time. It doesn't matter how nice it once was. Because everything's ultimately in decay. So the premise is, is that I don't grab onto anything so tight, but I always have this longing for more. And as a Christian, we understand, we should understand there's more in the context of eternity. There's an absence feeling that you should be feeling right now, even though you're madly in love with the Lord, or even if you're not. There's, God has hardwired eternity into our DNA. It doesn't matter whether somebody's a believer or not. I guarantee you, there's this press and desire for more. Otherwise, we just eat and drink and live for nothing. That's why the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So for me, I'd go to dead concerts, trip acid, and shoot lightning bolts out of my fingertips. I had wild, crazy supernatural experiences, drug-induced. But when I came to Jesus and tasted him, when I tasted the real thing, I realized that I had a real power that didn't come from a hallucinogenic. It came from the king that was authentic. Because I didn't have to imagine something. It was a reality. And so I knew when I came to the Lord, there had to be something more. And today, as I know the Lord and been walking with him now for, I don't know, 28 years, I still have this burning desire in me for more. It has nothing to do with being content. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment equals great gain. So when you live godly and you understand God knows what you need for today, and I'm content with his provision in my life, I'm rested, contented and rested is at peace. What does that mean? It means when you come to those two places, God will add more to your life. It's great gain. But I'm not satisfied in the context of I desire more of him and I feel this absence in my life. And we're gonna talk about that absence. The Bible says to be present in the body is to be absent from the Lord. But at funerals, we always hear, but to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And I'm gonna talk to you about what that means because all of us should be living with an eternal mindset. And, all, and if you live with that life and that mindset, you'll lay your life down for everyone else, especially your children in the next generation, because you realize life is dust in the wind. You realize that we're, we're grass in the field, beautiful flowers that in time, it just slowly but surely it decays and wastes away. So now you eat up every minute and you care deeply about what's to come in eternity. As when I was a teenager or young adult, I never thought about those things. And some of you may never think about those things. But because we, so many of us do think about them, we lay our lives down for those that don't think about them so that they will think about them. And I'm gonna show you that in scripture. So I wanna summarize 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 12 for you. 
2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12, I'll just summarize it for you and you can pull it up if you want. It says that the excellence of his power is not of us, but rather it's him in us. So the, you're not the power. You're not MC Hammer. <laughs> the power rests in Christ inside of you. And God uses hardship and circumstances and difficulties and affliction to teach you that lesson. Now, we don't like to say that because we're, we're American, nice Western Christian churchgoers, and nobody wants to suffer and go through hardship or be afflicted or persecuted. But God says, I use affliction and hardship, and I'm not talking about self-combusting. I'm not talking about because of the way that we lived our life erroneously. I'm talking about the difficulties and the hardship that come from actually living your life godly. The Bible says that anybody that desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. People are gonna think you're crazy. You're a good, you're a churchgoer now. Oh, you're so heavenly good, you're no earthly good. We got forgiveness, brother. While we shoot ourselves up and combust and blow up. And it's true you got forgiveness, but that doesn't mean you gotta keep doing the same thing because it will kill you. Now, once you come to Christ, you're dead to sin. It'll never have the same effect, I promise you, once you surrender your life to Christ, ever. You're dead to it. But sin still has a consequence. When you live contrary to God's design, our bodies, our minds, people are spitting out. People suffer. People live like orphans when you should be living like sons. When you give your life to Christ, you become a son. You're not an orphan anymore. And if you have children, you'll really understand that because you love your kids so much, you would do anything for them. God loves you even more than that. So the excellence of his power is not in us in a sense I don't, it's not me, it's him in me, and it's him in you. So God uses all these difficult, difficult things. He goes on to say, hence, when you're hard-pressed on every side, you're not crushed. How many of you feel hard-pressed on every side? I feel more hard-pressed today than I have felt maybe ever. And I've been pressed a lot. But it's like everything feels like it's pressing against us in a situation. But... The good news is, is I'm not going to be crushed. But sometimes you feel crushed, don't you? Are there times you feel like, man, I'm being crushed. But you stand on God's word. I'm not going to be crushed. And every single situation <clears throat> that has made me feel crushed, God has delivered me out of. And I've been through hurricanes and buried alive in a house and prison and car accidents and loss of a child and, all, and dealt with stuff in other people's life. Then he goes on to say, we're perplexed, but not in despair. I'm going to say that I've, there's some things in my life that we're just so perplexed about. We're just like, we have no idea what is going to happen. And God says, I designed it that way. You're perplexed, but the good news is don't let it turn into despair. See, the problem is, is despair is a lack of trust and confidence and lordship. So then we take matters into our own hands. And it's like, you're perplexed. God says, trust me. You're in a difficult situation. God says, trust me. I've always been for you. I've never been against you. I've always fought for you. I've always had your back. When no one else has had your back, I was there. You may not have seen it, but I was always there. So you're perplexed. And many of us have question marks about our future. It's like, man, I'm perplexed. I don't know what to do. God says, yeah, but you're not gonna turn, it's not gonna turn into despair. Why? Because we have the Lordship of Christ. I have a father. I'm not an orphan. I'm not abandoned. <clears throat> I'm not forsaken. <clears throat> no matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, you're persecuted, but not forsaken. And you're gonna be persecuted. People are gonna say stuff about you. People aren't gonna like you. Realize now, not everyone's gonna like you. And when you stand up for truth and life and love, somebody's gonna get offended. And it, you'll even say it the right, and it'll be Christians. Somebody's gonna get offended. When are you gonna stop being man-pleasing, get some thick skin, and stand up for truth no matter what? It's like, oh man, I got some bad news. The next thing you, in a, minute, in a minute, despair, depression, worry, fear, the what ifs, the end what's, and the what if they's, and how comes start creeping in. And next thing you know, depression, anxiety. See, depair, despair, depression, and anxiety are all synonymous. It's a lack of trust and confidence in who you are. 
And people are gonna take your confidence as pride, cockiness, and haughtiness, and arrogance. But it's not when you walk in true humility and brokenness. It's confidence. It's fully persuaded. You can't shake me because the Lord's always at my right hand. Get it now. Come on, y'all, pick yourself up. Be encouraged. God is good. He loves you. He's for you. So we're struck down yet not destroyed. I love that struck down. I have had, man, as a Christian, I have had things happen where I felt like I got hit with a baseball bat in the head. I've had experiences where I feel like I got ran over by a train. But after you feel like you get run over enough and hit by a baseball bat, the next time that baseball bat or train comes, you already know that God's gonna see you through it and you're not gonna be struck down. You may, you may not, I may see stars for a moment, but I'm always looking at the morning star no matter what has hit me in the head. Loss of a child, buried alive in a hurricane, prison, all kinds of hardships. And you learn in time that hardship and suffering, which I'm gonna show you, is momentary and light compared to what's coming. The problem is you're not seeing what's coming. You're not seeing the next big, greater thing that God has in store for you. So your mind goes right to despair, struck down, worried, anxiety, and I'm being crushed. That's why you have to live with an eternal mindset. Because if you don't live with an eternal mindset, you'll just shoot it up, drink it up, party it up, sleep it up, combust, kill yourself, and then destroy the people you love the most. So we always carry about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that his life may be manifested in our body. We're always being delivered to death so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Hence, death works in us to bring life in others. Let me give you an example. I'm dying a lot to see this church become everything it's supposed to become. And I already have in my mindset that if I die, this thing's gonna be like a freight train, the J train going in the direction God calls it to go because I'm not hanging on to this life. I'm hanging on to eternity. And I'm hanging on to the fact that no matter what happens, God's got this. And so death works in me to produce life in others. Pastoring's hard. You know, all the decisions that had to be made for this. And forget all this. You wanna know what's hard? Raising kids. You wanna know what's even harder? Marriage. because it's a constant dying. But the premise is, is the more you die, the more it produces life in others. And my kids have no concept how much I'm dying for them. So they get no breaks. It's just nonstop. It's all about them. And God says, they're your responsibility. As long as they're in your house, you lay your life down in every way for them. And that doesn't mean entitle them and spoil them. So I lay my life down so that my kids can flourish and bloom and blossom in the destiny that God has for them. Now that's the way that ministry works. You lay your life down for one another. It's not about you. It's not even about, I gotta convert them. What it's about is you've gotta love them and let love cover a multitude of sins. And in that covering, the person feels safe and secure around you instead of your old stinky religious self that nobody wants to talk to. But that's none of y'all, I know that. Now I'm not so sure, but for the sake of not being offensive. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We're not in despair, no matter what we face. We don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So the outward man is in decay. It's inevitable. You're all slowly but surely moving to death. Unless Jesus comes back before we die, right? And the outward man's perishing. The Bible, we're gonna, you're gonna see this, talk, Paul talks about the outward man as a tent. There's something greater living in the tent. And Jesus came to save what's living in the tent. And yes, he can heal your body, 
But even if he does it in this lifetime, he's still a healer because eternity is full healing once and for all, no matter what. And I go to, I do funerals all the time. People are crying, hurting. I feel their weight. And many times I cry. I cry at most funerals and weddings. I get moved at them. I feel the weight. I feel the, the compassion of Christ inside of me. But I also know there's something more. There's something better. There's something bigger. So I, I still have hope. I'm not in despair. And my job is to help people have that same hope and come out of despair that are hurting and broken. Some of y'all lost a loved one and you're still so broken and in despair 20 years, 10 years, maybe even in the last year. And we've lost, I've lost my mom. We've lost family. Amber's lost an uncle to cancer. I've lost loved ones. But you know what? I'm always comforted and encouraged knowing I'm going to get to see him again. And I also know, having hit 51 years old, that the nights and the days are racing by at a fast pace. I can't even believe how fast the days go. And I know that we're racing to eternity. And so I live with an eternal mindset now, knowing that I'll see those loved ones again. Yes, it hurts. Yes, I think about my mom. I think about Eden. I, and there's times I get emotional, and I, but I'm not in despair and depression and regret. <clears throat> Some of you haven't been able to move forward. <clears throat> this message will help you. Getting in Hector and Kaylee's overcomers class on Friday nights will help you. Getting around people to lift you up, comfort you, and encourage you. So the outward man's perishing. I battled allergic eosinophilic asthma since I was nine. I talk about it a lot. You hear me up here coughing. <sighs> I have a breathing thing. I'm not sitting here in despair and sitting here like, man, God, why didn't you? I trust God in the cross. I trust that he will, that he has healed me and I'll see the manifestation of it. I'm not even, because the outward man can perish all, all at once, but the inward man is renewed every day, day by day. Day by day. And, so, and I get it, it's hard. But some of y'all are in so much despair because of what your outward tent is telling you. Every day the inward man is being renewed. Verse 17, for our light affliction is but for a moment. And it's working for us a far exceeding, and I want you to see this, eternal weight of glory. Affliction works for us and it works a far greater glory to come in eternity, an eternal weight of glory. And when you compare the two, oh, let's compare your hardship right now. What Paul's saying is there's no comparison. Yes, this seems hard. Yes, it feels like you're being crushed. Yes, it, you, everything in you wants to be in despair, but don't be in despair. Have faith and hope and trust and stand on God's word. It's working something in you. And that brings me confidence. No matter how many baseball bats and freight trains come my way, it just makes me leaner and meaner to trust God. And it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna overcome that and it's gonna produce something even better to come for me, bring it on. That's not cockiness, that's confidence. It's fully convinced. Look at verse 18. While we don't look at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So you got to get your eyes off the natural and get them on the things not seen. You got to stop being moved by everything that you see. God sees differently. We got to stop being moved by all the natural things. That's why it's so important that you are not hooked into the things of this world because the things of this world will rob the things of God inside of you. It doesn't mean we don't lo love the world to want to see it saved, but we don't love it in the context of wanting to be of it. Right? So you gotta, you gotta have your eyes on him. What you see is temporary, but there's something that you're not seeing that's eternal, and I want you to see it. So let's talk a bit about being fully convinced for eternity. It goes right on to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. We know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Let's just camp on this scripture for a minute. For we know. This word know in the Greek is the word aido, and it means to see. It means I can now see 
the truth and the reality outside of this natural realm, what God is saying and what God is doing. And because of that, I am fully convinced. I notice, I discern and discover because I've turned my mind now to the things of God instead of the things of this world. What does God say about this? What is God doing in the midst of this? Lord, I wanna see differently. I don't wanna be moved by what I see in this world system. I wanna be moved by what you see and what you say. So to know means to see because here's why. When you see it, you perceive it, you discern it, and you discover it. It means to look, behold, and understand and gain knowledge and experience and adhere to. It means to become fully aware. So my job is to get you to see it. I want you to see what I see. That's why prophecy is so important. Because when somebody's not seeing it and I go, I see this and I hear the Lord saying this, you go, oh my gosh, how did you know that? You mean God really sees that? He's been watching. He knows the secrets of my heart. He cares. It's like, yeah, he does. God just showed me because I was looking prophetically in the spirit. One of my greatest desires for you is to see in the spirit see what God's doing and saying and to know and to understand. Now I know and understand God's good and he's a God of justice, no matter what you say, no matter what anybody, you can't talk me out of it. Situations can't talk me out of it. And I want you to be in that place where you're not tossed about like a wave in the sea or a cloud without water. You're confident you're not double-minded. Just think about how awesome that is. It brings peace. It brings rest. Now look at this scripture. If this house or this tent is destroyed, we have another house. Everybody say this with me. Say, I have another house. Because everything's, I'm telling you, everything's in decay. And I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I live life to the fullest. I try to just suck the marrow of life every day. I want to live in joy and peace and rest and confidence, not be beat down, worried, discouraged, and eat my bread with sorrows. What good is it if all you did was work and work hard and hard and hard to make more money and get more stuff for your kids? They got raised. They didn't even have you present. What good is if all you are is worried about your things that's all going to burn in the end? It's like, man, I like my boat, but it's going to go up in flames one day. So I don't have any attachment to it. I don't have any attachment to my motorcycle. I don't have any attachment. It's just stuff. After you've had so many motorcycles, it's like, who cares? Right? It's, I mean, I like it. I like those things, but those things don't possess you. And that's why the perspective of how you live your life shifts and changes when you see it in the context of eternity. See, eternity means it's past time. It has no ending. It means that there's no future. Once I get there, the future, there's, not, there's no more time, which I'm excited about because I hate the clock. Anybody else is like, man, I never feel like I have enough time. Time can produce worry, fear, anxiety. Now, God wants you to be rested now, but there's an even greater rest to come when there's, there is no tomorrow because now there's no more tears, there's no more crying, there's no more pain, and there's, it's just settled. That's the thing about eternity. It's settled. It's everlasting. Why? Because death has been defeated once and for all. Now, death has been defeated now. Once you come to know the Lord, you understand eternity starts now, but there's even something greater to come. We know that there's more than what we see and experience in this life. It's the afterlife, and it should be something that we're all secure in, confident and fully persuaded that's real and it will happen. Now, I want you to notice that it says we have a building from God prepared, that God has prepared a much better place for us now, a place of permanent security, safety, and complete healing. Let's look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14 about this. John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will also be. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. 
And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what is our final destination? Our final destination is Jesus himself and the Father. And guess what? There's ample dwelling space for all of us. Every, every one of us is gonna be together and it's gonna be awesome, new heaven, new earth. But the problem is, is we've got this crazy weird teaching about my mansion. There's no mansion competition in heaven because if there was, mine is gonna be way bigger than yours and you're gonna get to heaven and you're gonna look up on the hill and go, man, that Pastor David, what a mansion. And you got cubic zirconia and I got diamonds. And you're in the shack of a house, and man, my reward was so big. But you're in heaven. I'll slay that religious thing, cow right now. Oh, man, I got a mansion. It's going to be way better. My mansion. That's not what that means, folks. Can't stand that teaching. The premise here is God's got a really big dwelling place and a really big house, and we all get to go there and be at peace once and for all. And there's a room for you that has your name on it that's specially designed just for you. Now, there is a reward coming. And as far as the rewards, that's up to him. I'm not worried or stressed in comparing. All I know is I want to live pleasing to him now. And I'm going to show that to you here in just a moment. So the, the mindset here is that Jesus is letting you know God is preparing a place for you. The Father is thinking in advance for you. He made a promise to come and receive us to himself. So there's something more coming, and it's a final destination. What's your final destination? And there's only one way to know the way, and that's to know the way. Think about it. What's the way? Jesus says, I am the way. So just know Jesus, and you'll find the truth. You'll find the life because everything starts and ends with Jesus. Let's look at verse two. So because of that, there's this groaning or this, man, this is hard, this is tough, and I hate what I'm seeing with abortion, pedophiles, human trafficking, people spinning out, premature death, the stuff that's happening in the world, the world is getting darker and darker and darker. So there's this like, but I'm not just saying push the button or hurry up, Jesus just come back because everybody here is idiots. Let them burn. Save me now. That's a horrible attitude. And some of y'all need to repent for that. Because while I'm here, my job and your job is to love really, really well. Because I care deeply about people that don't know the Lord. And those that do, I care deeply about and want them to know him more. In fact, I love everyone no matter what. The worst of the worst, the and the best of the best, it doesn't matter to me. And I don't have an agenda except to love really well because love does the work. Love does the work. And if I open my mouth in love and I do what he says and I do what I'm seeing and I got eternity in context, I'm thinking about the fact that I want you to know what I know. And I am also thinking about the fact that I hate the suffering of children. Don't you? And I think about my kids being raised in this crazy world. And I don't want my kids to be raised with this man. The world sucks and everything's bad and bad, bad, bad. No, I'm like, man, this, God's got so much for you. He created this for us. There's people that don't know him and they do bad things. But you know what? You love really well and that's why they need Jesus. And that's why your daddy is a pastor. And whatever you do, it doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or full-time in the marketplace. You love because you're in full-time ministry all the time, everywhere you go and in everything you do. Somebody's broken somewhere around you, I promise. <laughs> so there's this groaning. The challenge is a lot of us have no groaning. We're completely immersed in what you see right in front of your face. And I can understand that. And I'm not beating you up about it. But if I can get you to move your hand out of the way, think about it. If I can get you to lift your vision higher, your prayer needs to be lift my vision. What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? So like in the wars going in Ukraine and all the stuff going on around me, I'm constantly thinking, God, what are you seeing? What are you saying? 
And there's some things I'm perplexed about, but I'm not in despair about it. So I trust God and just do the best that I can do in the midst of it. So there's this groaning and an earnest desire to be clothed with our habitation that's there. I want to be further clothed. So there's this yearning and desiring because I know what's coming there. It means you're once and for all fully covered. It means you can rest and finally have peace and no pain. It's a habitation. Think of the word habitation. It means I dwell there. It means that I live there. Look at Revelation 21, three and four. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and their God. And I love verse four. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain for the former things that pass away. You're living in what's, desi- what's called the former thing now. That's gonna pass away. This is going to pass away. Thank God. No more pain, no more tears, no more hurt, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more suffering. And all of us should have a burning path. Even if you're a teenager, you can't ignore, you can't be so self-centered that all you think about is yourself. Verse three. If indeed having been clothed, we will not be found naked. What does this mean? It means that God wants you to be clothed now so that you won't be found naked then. This is why it's so important that we surrender all to the Lord. Surrendering all to the Lord doesn't mean you have to look like anybody else but what God has designed for your life. No, but we don't try to make other people like ourselves. We help other people to become like him. God has a unique prophetic prescription for your life. You just got to find it. And the problem is so many of you are comparing yourself to everybody else. Man, please don't do that. There are so many crazy Christians out there. Christians have pushed more people away and pushed them into atheism than anything else because they've inaccurately reflected God. But not at Rock City. Not at Rock City. We're not the only ones. But I'm saying to you that there's a real remnant that really loves well that cannot try to make you like them but make you like him. And that's what it means to be clothed. So if you're clothed now, you won't be found naked then. <clears throat> but I, I got this revelation. If you're not clothed now, you'll be naked now and then. The world's narrative is naked and afraid. <clears throat> and I know it's a TV show on the Discovery Channel. I know that. Or naked and ashamed. God wants you to be covered and safe now. So you'll be covered then. So if you're covered now, you'll be covered then. You don't have anything to be afraid of. Nothing. You have nothing to be afraid of. Verse four. God wants us to be further clothed. I'm gonna get to this really awesome point about being absent from the Lord. Verse four. We who are in this tent grown being burdened. So there should be a burden as a Christian in all of us. I'm burdened for you. I'm burdened for my family. I feel a burden for my friends. I feel a burden for this world, which causes me to do something. It moves me to action. So there's this burden, not because I want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. There is a shortcoming inadequacy with mortality. I always got to fight against the desires of my flesh that want my old self, familiar spirits, crazy things that other people do, hardship. Most people don't do what I think they should do. So I got to not get jaded about it and keep loving anyway. People come against me, slander me, persecute me, leave the church, get offended. Leave, come back. I'm got to keep loving the same, but I understand mortality has this... Breathing issues, struggles, challenges. So I want mortality to be swallowed up by eternity. So I have this groaning for it and it keeps me motivated to keep going after it. Do you see this? I want you to see this. You're motivated by something more. You're motivated by something bigger. 
life swallowing up mortality, being further clothed. Now he who has prepared us, verse five, for this very thing is God, who has also given us the spirit as a guarantee. So he's preparing a place, but he's preparing you for the prepared place now. And he's given you his Holy Spirit as a guarantee. I guarantee it. God has guaranteed you now life eternal by his spirit. And not only is he guaranteeing it, he's the guarantor. He's the guarantee and the guarantor. Some of you may not understand the guarantor. Let me help you understand it. When we were, when our church was in the fellowship hall on First Christ, at First Christian Church on Santa Fe and Daughters, that's where this church uh, first met as Rock City. When we were in that fellowship hall, man, I was longing to get out of it. And finally, they were like, you gotta move. So somebody heard about it and a realtor came along and said, hey, I have a, a doctor who owns this shopping center and he'll own or finance it to you. I said, how much is it? 2.8 million. 2.8 million? How's that gonna happen? <laughs> right, we were a new church. We only had $20,000 in the bank. And they said, well, we know about coffee waves. We know you, so you're gonna be the guarantor. And I thought, how in the world will I be the guarantor? At that time, my net worth was only probably $150,000. And so I'm gonna sign on the line for 2.8 million. And they said, yes, and I signed. If something happens to the shopping center, guess whose name is on the line? Guess who signed his name in red blood for your life and is the guarantor? Jesus gave his life for you and signed it in red blood. Listen, there's no eraser either. There's no like, you know what? I changed my mind. Man, these people have lost it. That person's not giving. The what ifs, let's erase that and just go back. There's no going back. When Jesus gave his life for you, there's no going back. He signed it in red blood. He made a blood covenant. I love you. I care for you. You are a mess, and I'm going to give my life for you to pull you out of it. Isn't that awesome? He's the guarantee and the guarantor. But while I'm in this life facing hardship and all the stuff that tries to come against me, I have a promise. Everybody say, I have a promise. See, guarantee means I guarantee you. God's a God of his word. He makes a promise to you. So now that you're going through hardship, did he go back on his promise? Then why are you acting like it? Only Christian orphans live in despair and worry and doubt and depression. Stop being an orphan. You're a son and you're a daughter. Live like one. And if you don't know how... I got lots of great people to help you. <laughs> Guarantees a promise. It's a promise that, I'm prepare- that he's preparing us for a perfect thing. Verse six, so we're always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Say what? Look at the scripture. I'm absent from the Lord. I'm in this body, but I'm absent from the Lord. This scripture used to perplex me, but then God revealed it to me. I know that while I'm home here, there's still something missing and more that I want. That's why there's that feeling of, I'm satisfied and understand I'm satisfied with him. It's so hard to put this into perspective, but let me say it to you this way. Even though I have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, I can't wait to be with Jesus physically in person. I so long to experience what's coming. I've had visions of it. I've read about it in the Bible. It's not gonna be, it's gonna be a thousand times better than what anybody ever, ever has helped you to think about it. And I know that. It's not gonna be some boring church service where the music's gonna be long and how am I gonna endure that? And then the preacher's like, if you can't endure 40 minutes of worship here, you won't make it in heaven. I hate that saying. I hate it. Please stop. We have such a warped perspective. He is the ultimate of eternity. He's the ultimate eternal. He's the ultimate of life. 
He's gonna, it's gonna be a new heaven and new earth beyond. And to even in our best days, try to describe it. The, we get some descriptors in Revelation, which my favorite isn't the gates of pearl and the streets of gold, but it does show the extravagance. My favorite is no more pain, no more suffering. You don't even need the sun because there's so much beauty and radiance. You're gonna be so rested and it's gonna be so awesome that we're gonna be high-fiving and rejoicing and living a better life than even now because there's a new heaven and a new earth, which means everything that... This is the thing. If man can build it, man can destroy it. But if God built it, man can't destroy it. Do you see that? There's no more destruction, which means God's gonna rebuild it. Please, God, rebuild it. I can't wait to see the new earth. And I don't know, I, I can pretend and I can give you my imagination or I can just say it's gonna rock and I can't wait and I want you to go there with me so we're joining enjoying it together. So I know that while I'm home here, I'm absent from the Lord. Something's absent in the context of the fullness to come. Verse seven, so I walk by faith, not by sight. My question to you is, what are you walking by? Because if you walk by sight, you're gonna have fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, and keep striving. Work harder, work harder, more things, more stuff. The world, combust. But when you walk by faith, you see differently. You see differently. How are you walking today? Verse eight, I'm confident. Yes, well, pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And this doesn't mean hurry up, Lord. Let's just rapture so we can deal with all these wicked, evil people and they can burn in hell. That's the last thing that I want because that would be a tragedy. That's why he hasn't even come back yet. The Bible says if he delays and tarries, because he doesn't want anybody to perish. But if you don't see eternity properly, you'll have no urgency to evangelize. That's the problem with universal teaching. That's the problem with a universal mindset. Everybody's saved. They just don't know it. That's not true. There's an urgency in this hour. Here's the urgency. I don't even need more weird religious preachers standing on a milk carton on a street corner with a bullhorn telling people they're gonna go to hell or like that crazy guy that was on the campus causing all the demons to manifest in all the students recently. Girls were pulling off their shirts and people were, full-scale, some of you didn't hear about it, but it was crazy. College, Christian college students were spinning out because they didn't understand. And I would have loved to have been there, but I wasn't. And in turn, it produced a great response by so many young adults that went back to the campus and worshiped. People were getting baptized in the fountain. It was beautiful. But the guy was demonic and he's sitting there representing God and he's causing the demons to manifest in people because he had a demon himself. (laughs) So we've got to understand and be fully persuaded that if I'm in this tent, there's something missing, but when I'm there, there's nothing missing. That's what I want you to see. Verse nine. So we make it our aim. I'm gonna leave it here today because I wanna pray for you guys. There's more. I would encourage you to go read verses 10 and 11, all right? Because there's so much in verse 10 and 11 that if I try to rush it, I'll do it injustice. Go read it for yourself. There's a judgment coming, and it's about reward for those that know the Lord, not punishment. Those that don't know the Lord, it's a different judgment, all right? Just get into the kingdom, be dead to sin, let him cover you, and let God lead you through it. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes or fail. I've had people say to me, I know I need to get right with the Lord, but when I get all these other things right, I'll get right with the Lord. It doesn't work like that. You can't save yourself just jumping dirty. I say this all the time, especially to anybody that works in construction or dirty, hard oil field jobs and you get dirty all day. When you get home, you don't run a rag under a hot water spigot or in your, in your sink and then wipe yourself down and then get in the shower. You jump in dirty. I jumped in dirty. I made more mistakes as a Christian, but this is the beauty of God's love and life to see you through. Stop living in a weird religious mindset. Get under the waterfall and let God lead you through it. 
I got some of you that I love to know when you came to the Lord and you are a mess in the natural. And I just keep loving you because once you get in, God does the rest. God does the rest. Jesus is Lord, not you. So verse nine. Verse nine. Take a look at this. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. My question is, what's your aim? What are you aiming at? I said this last service, say it again, how many of you love to hunt? I was taught at an early age by my dad who taught me how to shoot guns and go hunting, never injure an animal. If you're not sure of the shot, don't take it. And some of you haven't been sure of the shot. So you're living haphazardly or double-minded. I'm sure of the shot. God was sure of the shot, enough to give his life for you. What are you aiming at? What's your long vision? I've shot a 50 caliber at 1,000 yards. This is 1,000 years and generations of eternity. What are we aiming at? Are you focused solely on the things of this world? Or are you thinking about your children, your children's children, the generations to come and legacy and life and power and freedom and joy? And it's saying, man, I know there's more to come. I got the Holy Spirit right now and I know Jesus loves me, but man, I can't wait to even be closer to him. There's still something more that I'm longing for and a feeling of absence. So in turn, I'm gonna continue to worship and love and go after him and do all I can to make sure none of you get left behind. This is the clarion call. Get on the J train. And stop getting off. I don't have all the answers of how, but I know who does. Sometimes you're going to be perplexed. You don't have to have it all figured out. What's your aim? And I love this. This is such an eternal statement. Well, whether I'm here or there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live to please him. How do you please God? Not more religious works. Not how good you are. Not the more you go to church. Not the more you read your Bible. And that's the problem. So many of you have been taught weird religious stuff. How about Abiding. How about being more like a Mary instead of a Martha? And you learn to sit at his feet and say, God, whatever you want to do, I want. You know how much time I've sat by, under this bridge? I, that, that was my secret place until my friend here told me there was a, somebody left a grenade. Remember, you told me that. I'm like, somebody put a grenade right where, I, a live grenade right where I parked my truck. I'm like, man, I'm maybe not going to park there for a while. I don't think they were coming after me because this is the bluff, but still, you never know what the devil would try to do. <clears throat> I don't tell you something I don't do for myself. I own this message. And the only thing that really keeps me going every day is this understanding, this eternal mindset. I care about you. I care about my kids. I don't get consumed and I've got to not be consumed. I, why do you want to be robbed in your sleep anymore? Is it really worth it? We're in such a crazy thing. And, I, and when I go to this, like, I can't let what that person's doing spin me out. We, had a, we, have, we have a pony story that I can't tell now. But the, the lady straight spun out on us, like manifested demons. We didn't even know the girl, like attacking me and persecuting me. Why would I give that situation an ounce of my worries or fears or concerns? What in the world are you constantly so spun out about? And then you miss your time with your kids and then you're not present with your kids. And the days go by and the years go by and you look back and then say, I wish I woulda. And I wanna live my life never saying I wish I woulda. And there are days and there are times and I make mistakes and so will you. Stop beating yourself up. This isn't a beat up message. This is a challenging message. I'm challenging you as I close out this series. Live with an eternal mindset now. Eternity is real. Let God show it to you. 
if you don't see it for yourself, I can explain it, I can teach you, I can tell it, but I can't get in your eyeballs. I can create a space. You know, I cry my eyes out in worship and I gotta tell you, this worship team, Mark, Nathan, the band, where they're going and what's happening, I'm crying my eyes out. I'm experiencing God. I'm so thankful for Mark and Nathan and the whole team. Candy, everybody. I just am saying to you, like, even in worship, that's why I tell you, if I die, which I don't believe I'm gonna die prematurely, but if I die, I'm gonna tell you what I want on my tombstone. I want on my tombstone, Shaka Baba. You know why? Because that's tongues and y'all are gonna have to interpret it for that day. It's gonna mean get fired up, get saved, give your life to Jesus, it's gonna be okay. It's whatever it's supposed to mean in that moment. And you know what? I've already written out my obituary. Not in fear of death. I made a list of all my stuff for Amber if I died so she doesn't have to be left wondering what storages I have and what bills and credit cards and because she has no idea. I got stuff everywhere. <clears throat> and some he's like, oh, I don't want to think about death. You know why? Because you're afraid of it. You got a fear of it. And I'm going to tell you right now, write out your obituary. Because if you don't, and I do your funeral, I'm going to make up all kinds of stuff about you. <laughs> right? <clears throat> and I'm going to tell a lot of lies. Lies. No, I'm not. I promise I won't. Eternity now. Jesus paid the price. So I love you all. I mean it. I care so deeply for this church and for you and the body of Christ and anybody in general. I want to love better. I'll die more. I'll give more. And I especially do it when it hurts. And my attitude is how can I love you better than myself? And I'm sure I'm going to have a rocking mansion in heaven. No. We're all going to be in a great, big, awesome home together with the King of Kings. All right? And I want us all to go there together. Okay? Let's all stand. I'd like to ask my prayer partners and my ministry team to come up. Prayer partners, ministry team, please make your way to the front. All my team leaders. I want you to idle. I want you to see. We walk by faith, not by what you see in the natural. So you got to lift your vision higher. Now, God has this way of getting you. All you got to do is say, get me, God. I want what you want. Let's all close our eyes for a moment. Now, I have prayer partners at the front that are here to pray for you. If you're hurting, struggling, broken, distant, if you want to give your life to Jesus, just come up to the front. Tell somebody, I want to surrender all. If you've walked away, if you, want to, if you haven't had an eternal mindset, if you're consumed by the cares and the affairs of this life, stop having an affair with the world. No more affairs with the world, all right? Can we do it? All right. So if you'd like prayer, you can start making your way to the front and I'm going to pray over you and dismiss you. If you would like somebody to pray for you, Look at this awesome group of mamas and papas and sons and daughters that are going to pray for you, all right? Don't leave here the same. The clarion call has gone out. Heed the call and say yes to eternity. Ask God to lift your vision higher for eternity now. God, I just bless everyone here. I thank you for my friends and my family that have come. Thank you, God, for a rocking, awesome place and a house where your presence dwells, where we can be moved and touched by you where we can continue to cry out for the the greater habitation. We want to be further clothed, Lord. But while we're here, God, help us to stop the pain and the destruction. Help us to not be a, a cause, a consumer of the destruction. Help us to put an end to it properly. Thank you, God, for unity, peace, power, strength, health, love, joy. Thank you, God, that we're all being awakened to the more. And even if our outward man perishes, the inside's growing stronger. Help us to not be moved by the physical, but to be moved by the spirit. 
and help us, God, to live lives pleasing to you, sitting at your feet all the days of our life, knowing you intimately. I love you, Jesus. I love you so much, and I love everyone here. Put a burning love inside of us for your people and those that don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen.